0: Hello, my name is Tucker Johnson, and I am your host today as we experience Nimsy Live, where we talk about the latest and greatest in translation, localization, internationalization, culturalization, and all that fun stuff global companies need to delight their international customers, or at least not to piss them off too much. On this program, we invite guests who like to have fun and have some value to add for our audience of globalization professionals. I'm always eager to provide a... Platform to those with a good story or a good data set. So, let us know if there are any topics you'd like covered, or guests we should reach out to for future episodes. If you haven't already done so, make sure that you are subscribed to Nimsy Insights. Um, if you subscribe to Nimsy Insights, then you will be one of the first people to know when we go live or when we schedule new live streams, so that you can sign up for notifications. You'll also be one of the first people to know when we publish new industry research. We're a market research and consulting company specializing in the language services industry. Uh, before we get started today, just a quick plug. I wanted to give a shout out to Multilingual Magazine, our sister company here. If you're not familiar with Multilingual Magazine, well, then you should be. Um, I can't pull it up on screen right now because it's not working. But multilingual.com, they have a online news, daily news about the language services industry as well as the industry's only print magazine. So you can sign up to be a subscriber and receive a copy in your directly to your mailbox every month. They also offer podcasts, uh, uh, multi-localization today is the name of the podcast. If you are a podcast person rather than a reading person, you can catch up in short news segments delivered directly to your podcast platform of choice every single day to make sure that you're keeping up with the industry well without further ado let's get right into it today today we are talking about AI what else Um, one of our favorite topics here as of late on NIMSI live so today we're diving into the uncharted territory with innovation manager Marta Castello from creative words have you ever wondered how AI and human expertise can seamlessly coexist MARTA will unveil the Human Approved Certification, a game changer in responsible AI integration for language related activities. Really quickly about Marta, before I turn the mic over to you. Uh, Marta is a graduate in translation and interpretation. She took her first steps into the tech world quite casually when she moved to Lisbon in 2019. Since 2022, she has held the role of operations manager in the startup Creative AI, which deals with data or artificial intelligence, and thus comes into contact with the reality of creative or CW Ready to Interrupt i'm sorry Gus, thus comes into contact my teleprompter is going buggy today uh the reality that creative words ready to entrust her in 2023 with the role of innovation manager this new challenge allows her to give her creativity and tireless curiosity space marta welcome to Nimzy live
1: thank you so much tucker hi thank you yeah. it's a pleasure to be here yeah, it's <laughs> a
0: pleasure to have you we were just talking earlier you're a podcast veteran this is your second Second live stream. Exactly. So pretty, pretty soon, you're gonna I have to invest in a fancy microphone like this. You know. Next and time will be. Maybe maybe I can be the first guest on your podcast. Please do. When you please start it. do. I'll
1: keep that in mind.
0: Well, today we're talking about human-approved certification. Um, and well, you know, before we go in there, yeah. we know creative words. We love creative words. right? right. We've heard of creative That's good. AI. <laughs> right tell tell us a little bit about the evolution and, and for the sake of the audience here um who is creative words what is creative ai what is the relationship between those two and maybe just give us a little bit of background about that
1: for sure uh so we are creative words uh, a language service provider based in italy and uh, our core business has been translation since the very beginning, and linguistic services. Uh, When was it? A couple of years ago, uh, Diego, our CEO, founded Creative AI, a startup that had to deal with data for artificial intelligence. So that's where I uh, worked as operations manager. And what we did was basically uh, collecting, creating, and annotating data AI systems so there I understood the importance like um, it came to me uh, quite clear how important it is to um, work with ethically and um, consciously and transparently with AI systems Uh, if you think about it like humans learn from book and Uh um, machines learn from data so we must be totally aware and Uh, trustful towards our capacity to our towards our um, knowledge and towards our expertise in this sense so uh, what happened then Uh, we were uh, like the startup and creative words were actually in the same uh, office so I have been within the world of creative words since the very beginning and then due to some organizational bureaucratic uh reasons creative ai got merged into creative words uh at the beginning of the summer this year and this is when me and the other person uh, our uh, workflow automation engineer at the moment uh, who worked with me in, in creative ai we uh, were brought into creative words and we gave birth to the innovation lab the innovation lab now it's made up of five people me included And what we do is basically we uh, work with artificial intelligence and language services, trying to understand how to better optimize and integrate uh, technology um, in our standard workflows. So we investigate um, generative AI mainly. Uh, but um, we investigate, so generative AI and how it can be, bring benefits to services that we usually have, like that we haven't been offering until now. And But it's not only limited to AI. Uh, we, work, we, we work to um, make our processes leaner and to optimize everything that we do using technology. I don't know
0: if that was it. That is one hell of an elevator pitch (laughs) that answered all my questions and more. And it's good. That's good. I see Diego in chat, so he's watching closely. He's taking notes (laughs) to make sure you hit all of those SEO keywords. (laughs) (laughs) So, so great. Thank you. That that provides uh, a nice background about what creative, creative words and creative AI. And seriously, what better time than to start a company I I remember when Diego first started creative Mm -hmm. AI out I was like okay that's fun you know (laughs) we we all got to (laughs) have our own pet project but brilliant brilliant move because 2023 has been the year of AI I, I have a joke on this podcast kind of an ongoing joke about how long can we last in each podcast before someone brings up AI and it's usually not very long right and here
1: we decided to bring it on the table yeah exactly like, so I don't. we didn't don't, even bet on it
0: didn't even need to set a timer today so um a lot of concerns about ai and i use the word concerns just because we are um you know we're kind of a worrisome industry sometimes and I, there's a lot of concerns about ai out there and maybe i can ask you what are some of the top concerns that you've heard? Um, Because that's uh, kind of what we're addressing today, this human approved um, concept. Um, What are some of the top concerns that you've heard from people in the industry, whether those are translators, business owners, um, client side folks? Um, Can you give us a summary of that?
1: For sure. Um, Well, you know, when, when I talk about AI with potential clients, already existing clients, competitors, colleagues, um, AI always brings with itself a sort of an idea, an aura of threat. Uh, It seems always that AI is the evil part Hmm. of the story, you know, and we can agree on that. I mean, as everything, we I just think that w- what we have to do is to understand how how to use it, and that's the main concern of the um, of the human approved seal, uh, um, because concerns in the industry specifically. Well. We must, I think, make a a distinction between the concerns of the linguistic professionals, that is like translators or linguists at large, and the concerns about uh, business owners or um, other people in the business, you know? So translators, no, let's start from the business owners, actually. Um, business owners, I think that, I think that there is this sort of wall uh, when we talk about technology in a human uh humanistic se- um, sector like in a humanistic field such that of languages you know it's easy to talk about technology when we talk about something scientific but when it comes down to natural language for instance technology does not is not always seen as going hand and in hand um, so there is this sort of wall that I truly do not, quite fully understand. Um, I think
0: a lot of it just goes, I mean, I think a lot of it just as simple as humans don't like change or we're afraid of change. I should say we're, we're we're kind of afraid of new innovation. Um, And we could have a whole podcast about what's driving those fears. (laughs) But at at the end of the day, especially I'm a business owner, right. And you work hard to build a model and a business model that works. You build your supply chain, you know, vendor relationships, you build your client relationships and your portfolio, your technology and all that stuff. And I don't want to change. I, I just want to keep going, plugging along. Right. And then something like generative AI comes in and it's like, oh, now I have to adapt to this.
1: But you said it correctly you have to adapt to it yeah like technology makes it cursed
0: you don't have to like Uh, it it, yeah you don't have to like it you don't have to do it like (laughs) you know you might as well
1: embrace it yeah like it's not that that uh, by resisting it and by refraining from using it or accepting it we can stop the flow of change you know so we might as well just be Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 You're on <laughs> No, I'm roll. curious. No, I'm curious. I was gonna say,
0: but there are in our industry, um, there are factions that try to, that that are very resistant to change, right? And we see that. I see that a lot, and I I think of like regulations. You know, associations lobbying for regulations and whatnot, right? and I, I want to be very careful because i have immense respect for the associations and the lobbyists and you know the people pushing to make sure that language and technology is used responsibly right so i got that out of the way you hear me so don't clip me out of context here um but on sometimes you know you you, you start to see regula- regulations being pushed and that prevent innovation just be out of fear and I, I think that's the problem with that is that I think regulations and education and all of that stuff, it kind of falls two or three years behind the actual innovation. And with something like generative generative AI, it's evolving so quickly. I think regulations and standards, let's instead of saying regulations, let's talk about standards, right? The standards are always going to be struggling to catch up with them,
1: right? That—that's actually the reason behind the human. Approach. Eli, I set you up for this. That, is
0: right? <laughs> yeah, you absolutely.
1: You put it there like <laughs> on a silver plate. Yeah. Um. No, but jokes apart, uh, this is exactly where, like, the reason—the root reason—we um, not the root reason, but this is actually what. Brought us to have the idea about the human approved, Um, concerning the fears and the concerns that we were mentioning before. um, I've had the chance to chat with, uh, as I was mentioning, clients, potential clients, and competitors and colleagues, and I tried, like I broke my head into trying to understand why are people so reluctant towards change and towards ai and towards technology why like there must be a reason because otherwise it's it makes no sense because i mean one can also be not so open-minded um like open-minded in a um, behavioral way you know like I, I don't want to say that people are not open-minded but like yeah. can be more um can can be more fearful well, but risk again adverse.
0: let's just say. say it again risk adverse
1: Exactly, exactly. Risk adverse. Uh, but uh, if you think about it rationally, and fear is not rational. So here it's like, I think this is the game changer. Except if for you spiders. think about fear of spiders is
0: rational. <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: Exactly. And <laughs> of bugs in general. Um, but uh, if you think about it rationally, um, it's again. It goes back to what we were saying before. You must embrace it, especially if you work in a field that is so much impa- that has been so much impacted by the uh, uh, the publicity of uh, generative AI. I mean, people were given this enormous and very very powerful and at the same time risky uh tool from one day to another and we in the field in the sector in the linguistic sector we had to find our own ways to let's say survive without like or maybe it's better to say not 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 surrender uh so it was just like finding ways to to show how we could how humans how a company made of humans can bring value compared to a free tool online yeah. because this is actually i've been uh, i've had the chance to uh participate at a part to conferences um during the past months and you have no idea how many times people have approached me asking okay yeah well we, what do you do uh we provide linguistic services and people were like well you know i i don't need that i i use ChatGPT to do that and that like breaks my heart, but at the same time, it gives me also, it gives me also hope because it makes me understand even more that uh, what we are trying to achieve is like makes sense, makes a lot of sense, and uh, when so, that's the main reason behind the um, the human approved seal.
0: Uh, yeah, I would say. So and, it, it's essentially merging, <sighs> not merging. But how do we leverage? Because language, and this is the conversation, it's been going on ever since the invention of translation memories and then machine translation, neural machine translation. Now it's generative AI, right? And mm-hmm. the question is, language is inherently human, right? It is yeah. a, it, language is all about humans communicating with humans. And the thesis to date has been it will either never be replaced by technology completely, or it will be one of the very last things to be replaced by technology because language is constantly evolving. It's nuanced. It's, it's just very hard to, to put into the hands of a machine, right? Now, that having been said, technology is coming. So how do we make sure that we are leveraging the technology while still maintaining the human touch and the human approach, and that's something that we've been talking about for a long time with machine translation and you know post machine translation post editing is you know we've all heard the term human quality machine translation post editing right so that's where you'd have a machine machine translated text and then it's post edited up to a human value or a human quality level right. And one of my most interesting questions, I I think, that I struggle with is what is human quality, right? Because humans make mistakes too, right? And it, it, it becomes a really interesting conversation about human quality versus machine translation quality because you can have a machine translation generated text that's technically very accurate but still lacks that human approved, let's just say, touch to it.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Interesting. Actually, what is human quality? (laughs) When like the first thing that comes to my mind uh, when like to answer uh, such question is I think about natural language, you know, like human quality. what What, what,
0: What is natural language? We've used that term several times now. So natural language, what do you mean by that? Is that a technical term? Or are we just talking about natural language?
1: No, no. In this, like, uh, I, in this moment, I'm just talking about the language that naturally, okay, okay. Um, that naturally is produced by human beings. Uh, but this is exactly it. I mean, machine learning algorithms do not make up their own language, you know, uh, it's, uh, they're fed linguistic data and linguistic data has been created by human beings so it's totally sensible to think that um the output of a generative ai tool is actually kind of like native like Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. um because it was trained on native or at least natural language itself so it must sound human somehow like in also slightly, but it has to sound human. Otherwise, the data was very poor quality. Yeah. But um, the the thing about what is human quality, this is exactly what uh, what is the uh, the aim of our of our certification, is we want our linguistic the linguistic data um, coming out the linguistic output coming out of a generative AI tool to be certified and to have the guarantee that the same exact text, the same exact language could have been written by a human being. And who can, who can do that? Only human beings, because only a human, like only a human being is able to say, well, yeah, you know, I could have written that also. Um, And I think that this is what comes down to uh, human quality. It's like, you know, I often when I, I often use ChatGPT, for instance, and one of the things that I um, always I, I've noticed that uh, that I it's a recurrent request I make to the machine. It's like, can you rephrase this yeah. being more native like uh, like a native speaker yeah. in this in this language in Italian or in English? And you actually see that change quite, quite quite good you know yeah. like it, it already gives gives a more human structure to sentences but still uh i think that that's only acceptable in my daily uh in my daily life if i have like i don't know let's say to review an email but if you think about um the company like creative words uh, where our core business is language yeah. and linguistic output we cannot afford all the native like Uh, and native, um, similar structure of sentences made by uh, technology. And this is why we we decided to standardize and to regulate somehow our workflows that um, include the um, AI tools.
0: Basically, yeah. Well, and let's talk about that. Um, for those of you watching, listening, I, I put a link into chat uh, so you can follow along at home. Um, but here on the creative Words website, I'm just going to read this here. Creative words, human approved certification and get that chat out of the way. In response to the challenges posed by AI and generative AI, Creative Words has introduced a unique solution, the Human Approved Certification. This seal, and there's a logo. I love the logo. Leave it to you Italians for good design principles. um, Highlights the undeniable competence, creativity, and cultural understanding of language professionals. Our team has outlined a systematic set of processes that begin with integration of AIPE, artificial intelligence post-editing, through the creation of standardized editing procedures and outputs the scientific evaluation of what works and what doesn't. And here we have three bullet points here. Um, AIPE, so that's artificial intelligence post-editing integration. Our profession professionals undergo extensive training on how to leverage the intelligent tools at their disposal to fully exploit the potential of artificial intelligence and improve post-editing and natural language processing skills or tasks. <laughs> Standard, second bullet point, standardization. Defining standard procedures facilitates communication between humans and machines, allowing professionals to develop awareness and critically evaluate AI outputs. And lastly, evaluation and validation. In defining the limits of technology and managing expectations by emphasizing the value that people provide, it is important to identify where the human touch is inestimable. Um on this this first point here, AIPE, yeah. so artificial intelligence post-editing, and I'm old enough to remember when machine translation post-editing was just coming around, right? And mm-hmm. it's a different skill set, right? Post-editing is a different skill set than translation. You can't just take any old translator and throw them at a post-editing project, Um I remember developing workshops and trainings for how to train translators to efficiently post edit because it, it it's it's different. And just like editing is a different skill set, and just like QA is a different skill set, um, talk to me a little bit about this um, training. Uh, you say our professionals undergo extensive training on how to leverage the intelligent tools at their disposal to fully exploit the potential of artificial intelligence and improve post editing and natural language processing tests.
1: Absolutely. As you said, um, post-editing is a different um, task than uh, translation and machine mm, machine translation post-editing differs from AI post-editing. Why? Because the nature itself of the text that is the output of the machine comes from a different type of technology, from different processing data. So... We uh, identified, we have identified this um, lack of uh, education in this sense, and we have developed internally a course focused on AI post-editing and AI content reviewer. So we have in the team an AI language specialist, that is the person who's in charge of analyzing Texts, basically, to provide the machine the most accurate data possible to uh, reach the expected output that we want to achieve. So uh, this professional, this person, the AI language specialist has um, studied AI um, outputs, text uh, text outputs, Mm -hmm. and has drafted, uh, it's sort of like a style guide basically, but on a, in an educational way of the major um, issues and um, concerns that uh, evolve around an AI product, textual product, identifying, of course, like there are some, everybody when, when we ask something to a gen AI, most of the times it's clear as water that it doesn't work you know um but again having this as our core business we cannot limit ourselves to okay well that sounds quite quite good it has to be perfect yeah it has to be 100 accurate exactly and how can we do this we can only do this if we know what we are looking for if we know what are the issues what are the problems that could happen in a in a in an ai workflow and that will end up in um clause into the ai output only in that way only being critic critical about critical i think that is that the word yeah yeah maybe yeah. Uh, being critical yes. uh toward towards the text but knowing with the awareness of the process that the text has undergone only in that way we can reach or at least um hope to reach the 100% accuracy yeah
0: yeah, I I think of, I think of it so I've got small children, right? And right now AI is in the stage of having like a six-year-old where if you want the six-year-old to do some work, like I was having my, my seven-year-old fold laundry the other day,
1: w- we're in the
0: phase, yes, it's adorable, but we're in the <laughs> phase where asking my seven-year-old to fold laundry requires a lot more work from me than if I just folded the you know what i'm saying because i have to show them how to do it i have to check the work i have to come back right and i feel mm-hmm. like we're kind of in that phase of teaching a seven-year-old to fold laundry with ai we're we're figuring out what can it do what can't it do what inputs does it need for me what coaching you know does it need for me and then double checking the work at the end to make sure that it was done okay
1: you know this is what um we call the feedback loop yeah So everything that on, like, all our AI workflows are within a feedback loop. So each step of the pipeline is connected to the others over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. So we start with our, and the most important part is, of course, the AI post-editing part is important, but especially at the very beginning of using, of implementing a workflow, because in the end, it will be the minor part. It, it will always be there, always. Yeah. Like, it's one of my, like, I'm completely obsessed over the human in the loop approach. Like, yeah. I want human beings to be involved at all stages, yeah. every time, yeah. uh, like everywhere. So the AI post-editor will always be there. But in how I see it, in my utopia no, it's I'm kidding. Uh it's not a utopia. It's just like what I, I try want to not to achieve. use words like
0: utopia and AI in the same sentence. <laughs> <laughs> because you know, one man's utopia. No,
1: exactly. Uh no, it's not utopia, it's just like what I want to achieve and what we want to achieve. I I want to speak like plural. Um, what we want to achieve is having the very last bit of the workflow of the pipeline being the m- The very important, but not time consuming, because the most time consuming part, time consuming in a positive way, I'm not quite sure if time consuming can also be considered positive. But um, the most um, the the part where we want to invest the most is the very initial part is the part where um, language is analyzed. And all the con- conditions are set clear for the machine to perform correctly how we want the machine to perform. And this can only happen within a feedback loop. So we, we start with something and then there is feedback and feedback goes to and goes back to the very beginning so that at the beginning, so that the first time or the first 100 times, we will have to spend hours and hours teaching the machine how to do those things, although we could do them much faster. Yeah. But at the end, in, in the long term, we will have every, all the basics, like we will have uh, the ground perfectly um, strong yeah. for the machine to perform fast, and for us to not even think about doing it ourselves. You know, I don't know, I, I got kind of like confused at no, some I'm foundation. Picking up, I'm
0: picking up what you're putting down for sure. And, and this I'll, I'm bring our attention to a chat. Where's the chat over here um, from Islam Yunus. Uh, you must have amazing AI prompting engineers to reach such goals. But where does most of the work lie so far with prompt engineers or post editors? And we are- cause you're talking about the cycle, right? So at, exactly. at this stage, is where, where are you prioritizing the work or w- what takes the most in time, the, the back end or the front end? Uh,
1: you know, at this stage, uh, pretty much we're really, quickly, still at really,
0: quickly. Sorry, I always I, I, I get ahead of myself here um, for those for the audience. What is prompt engineering? Can you prompt define engineering. that So, us?
1: yeah, how you um, how do we interact with uh, a generative AI tool? we write prompts. Prompts are, let's say, commands that we give the machine, are indications we give the machine to perform how we want the machine to perform. And prompting is the word around this big category of uh, tasks, of actions. So writing a prompt means writing a command to feed the machine to generate the expected outcome. So I'm, I think that at this stage of 2023, I would say that pretty much everybody has um, written a prompt. Of course, there are ways in which you can write it more effectively, and ways you, if like ways in which it's completely useless. I I, I often write prompts that are useless myself. You know, like sometimes I'm just like they're super fast, and I'm like, okay, let's do this. But um, in the same way in which. I, I like this uh metaphor between humans and machines, machines data and humans book. So um and I like it very much also in this sense. Like writing prompts, it's like teaching a child how how to do something, what to do and how to do that, you know. Um so we want to be as specific as possible. We want to uh create those indicate like we want to um um to create the prompt to create the com the command uh the to guide hand in hand the child to perform as best as best as possible and in the same way we want to uh learn how to communicate with the machine because pro the the, like writing a prompt is basically the only way we can inter interact with the machine so and we that's from like, thank, I would, thank I, would for the explanation. I would
0: say that. Yeah. I like to think of it like for, for those uh, f- with AI interacting with an AI, um, we've been doing it for a while. Those of us that have had an Amazon Alexa, I don't want to say it too loud because she's listening all the time. But if if you're interacting with like an Alexa or a Google home or anything like that, it's you know, it's like, what can I say? How do I structure my input? Exactly. Because if I say, hey, what kind of day is it going to be today? It's going to be like, it's not going to know what to do, but I need to ask, hey, what will the weather be today, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I put a exactly. link for for folks if you want to check it out. There's, and Nimsy's not the only one, but there's a number of um, guides out there on prompt engineering. A lot of people have written about it. Um, so NIMSY, of course, has thrown our hat into the ring as well. But anyways, okay, thanks for the tangent about prompt engineering. <laughs> we were talking about prioritizing the front end or the back end, prompt engineering versus the um, review.
1: At, at this stage, I would say that they're equally um that we invest equally on each of them. Uh, For the reason, uh, like the reason is because we are, despite being quite ahead in researching in the field, we really want to uh, set the solid ground. So we are also testing ways to, um, to evaluate the outputs. We're testing ways to evaluate what we do at the beginning, in the middle, and at the end, so that we can keep on improving. We are uh, working daily with AI workflows and pipelines, but um, for sure we are growing into it ourselves. So every time we uh, we have to do something, and every time we kick off with a project that involves the whole pipeline that is not like the time when we rediscuss everything that we have done so far also because technology goes so fast that it, it's always like also it's not strange to find out new ways of doing something that were not there until the week before so at the moment i think that we invest as much at the beginning as uh and at the end of the um, of the workflow but in the future Like, ideally, it will be mostly at the beginning, and then the workflow goes.
0: It's much more of a check. It's, in my mind, we want to get to the trust and verify stage, right? Where we largely trust the AI, but we're just doing sanity checks on it. We're not having to completely review it. Is
1: that unrealistic? you know, well, not not really. If you consider that um, machine learning works because, you, like, it learns from its own data and from the data that you give it, like yes. that you continually give it. So, as as many data, the the more data we give the machine, the more the machine will improve and learn what we are teaching the machine itself. Yeah. So that's the reason why, ideally, in the end, like the final checks will be. Like the, sur- the guarantee of quality, but will not have to be time consuming because ideally it will only have to be a a proofreading of what has been right. created by the machine, right. you know? Well, whereas now we like sometimes we have to rediscuss everything that has happened because we end up with results that are not acceptable for one reason or the other. You have to re- but, um, refold the socks. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. But that's also the fun part, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> I like to adorable. be optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> oh, shoot. Well, I had a question I wanted to ask you. So how, when we're talking about, hey, here's what it is. Uh, when we're talking about AI, I just realized, you know, we've been dealing with a form of AI in machine translation for, for quite a while, while particularly machine, neural machine translation right here in the language services Mm -hmm. industry. So I, I would argue that the language services industry has much more experience using AI than other industries do that are just now getting started into it. How do you foresee the future of generative AI encroaching upon machine translation, neural machine translation? Do you envision a future where there's going to actually be less translation and people are just going to be using generative AI to create localized versions of things? So instead of having an English source text and then translating that into 10 different languages, we're going to be using generative AI, of course, to create that source text or help create that source text. And why not just have the generative AI say, all right, write this podcast intro for me in English and then telling it now write it in French and Spanish and German. Um, so it's not a one-to-one. Do you understand what I'm saying? Am I being clear? Yes,
1: yes, 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 yes. It's like a rewriting in another language. Or basically. writing
0: from scratch so in another language. Generating
1: content. Yeah, I'm in thinking particularly for, for
0: marketing, right? Because marketing has a lot of cultural nuances and and things. So rather than you know, creating the perfect United States marketing campaign that's really gonna speak to, you know, marketing, you know, your users in the United States and then translating that into German, and there's gonna be something lost in translation. Why not just have the AI generate content for the German markets as well? Do you you see that being a thing?
1: Yeah, well, um, it all comes down to prompt engineering if you think about it. Uh, I mean, we can only achieve this we're good enough at understanding how the machine works and how we can teach the machine and, um, ask the machine to, to do that task. Everything is like, um, everything is pretty much doable, you know, like that, that's scary. That's scary. Yes. But that's also, if you think about it, a great opportunity, but, um, we just have to be able and we just have to be conscious and aware on how to, to, interact with the machine to uh, to ask the machine to do something in the way that uh, we think that the machine could understand better to lead to the results that we want to receive. Right. Um, but that goes down to the to the education to what we were talking about before so an education and um, training in AI in responsible AI, in the correct and ethical use of AI is crucial to be able to to actually uh, empower people to use AI on their own, and that goes to completely against my well, <laughs> my my business but um no but that's well really I was that's gonna my next actually. question
0: is going to be what advice would you have for your competitors basically sorry, Diego. Um, but be- before we get to that, I, I, just a comment from me is that what, one thing that I find fascinating about AI, and this is my advice that I give to people. I say, you know, I'm talking to project managers, use AI, don't wait for your boss to tell you how to use AI. Um, Absolutely. because AI is something, I think a lot of the conversations we're having in the industry are at this level up here, like the VP and director level of how are we going to implement AI for our organization? Um, but really in my mind, like the chat GPT, the chat bots, the ones that are publicly accessible now can start down here. And I can't tell you how many workshops I give on communication skills for project managers, right? I'm sorry, many listeners have probably sat through one of my workshops on communication skills for project managers. Well, if you're a project manager, here's your, here's your new workshop, get a subscription to chat GPT. Get a subscription to cloud AI, get a subscription and use it to help you write your emails, right? And it's something that can happen from the ground up. You don't need to wait for your boss to come and tell you how to use AI. Because frankly, no offense to the bosses out there, I'm a boss too. Frankly, your boss is probably going to have some pretty silly ideas on how AI is going to be implemented. It's better to use it yourself and figure out how to use it, figure out how to um leverage it to make you better at your job
1: i totally agree and here in creative words diego has been straightforward he was like from now from this day on we're gonna start using ai everybody will start using gen ai of course like in our daily in our daily tasks because other than that like our ai services for instance there's in our team we work specifically for that but everybody here in creative words uses generative ai just to ease the process you yeah. know
0: how? Like, how like practically what does that look like and it's one thing to say like yes everyone uses gen ai practically what are they using it for are they using it to write emails are they using it to analyze word you count know, logs or
1: I give out uh, an innovation newsletter once a week with an internal internally. And, uh, in each newsletter, we put the prompt of the week, which is supposed to be an idea on how to use AI to optimize or lean um, process everyday processes. So I know for sure that people use it for, um, emails for sure. Uh, our marketing uh, department uses uses it also to support their content generation and content creation. Um, there, it's a brain, a super uh, great tool for, for it's, brainstorming.
0: Yeah, it's, for gr- it's great for marketing. It's great for brainstorming. Yeah,
1: yeah, uh, it's great. Like uh, recently, we gave out a prompt for um, analyzing. No, actually, it was creating um, Excel sheets. Like it yep. was um, so all that create a markdown
0: table. Yeah, it took,
1: exactly. It took <laughs> exactly. Way too long to figure out that prompt. Exactly, exactly. And now you simply go and chat GPT, and you say in a, in the way in which it understands, you say, I need to create this table with this, this, and that, and yeah. I need this to be linked to the other one, and so on and so forth. And it gives you out exactly the formula that you need to yeah, add. That's great.
0: Yeah, that is, I, great. I, I, that is great. I took like a bunch of Excel files that <laughs> I had and I trained it because I'm too lazy to write a macro.
1: <laughs>
0: I don't know how to write a macro um, and just fed it to the thing and said, create a table summarizing everything together. It's beautiful. It's beautiful.
1: And if I think about it, hours and hours when I was in uh, at the university with the courses on how to use Excel effectively. I, but I guess, that's...
0: So this is making me obsolete. <laughs> so like two things that I've been like known for at the different places that I worked was my Excel. I, I can write I can write a formula or two, not to brag. <laughs> <laughs> right. But who cares? It's 2023. Who cares? Like no one cares if I can write a formula. The second thing that I was always really good at was taking really good meeting notes. So during nice. a meeting, absolutely. Because nowadays <laughs> everything's automatically transcribed Automatic. and you just summarize this and it spits out, here's your action items. Here's the bullet points. So I haven't oh. taken meeting notes for a very long time.
1: Well, but you know, I think that we also must be careful to um, not going extreme. Um, I'm a super supporter of AI helping and supporting our daily activities. Like um, I, I always say that AI should take off, off our shoulders are like the monkey work yeah. that we do, you know? But there are things that I think still have, like, if we focus on value, like, there are things that are more valuable if you keep, if we keep on doing them on our own. Like, you know, it's not, it's not that using it, like, deciding to use AI in a daily work life in a company means that nothing will be done and, like, nothing will be done um, by hand anymore. It's not that. It's understand it's way more complicated actually i think it's uh, a matter of understanding where can we take when, when when where can we get value by using ai and where can we actually give value to what we do by doing it on our own and most right. of the times actually like the what, what is the your as a human
0: between, what is your unique value proposition you know what I'm saying? What, what that, you,
1: like in my daily life, you No, mean, no, no. Or... I mean, just like
0: rhetorical question. Like we need to find, figure out. Like I am a human being. What? Where can I add value that the machines can't? Right. And if it's something that can be handled by a machine, let the machine do it. Where can I add the most value, and let the machines do the monkey work, as you say, so that I can focus on adding value.
1: Um, I think that it always like to me. Um, everything that goes around like that goes about um originality creativity uh and but generally speaking, I wouldn't say like as i was like i was saying uh before um the truth lies in between uh so I still see support from the a i like support like artificial intelligence supports me every day in whatever I do, basically. Yep. What the machine cannot do is like is starting off from my ideas. So my input is invaluable as well as the the final. uh, That's not even focused on the final. It's actually my input that is invaluable. And that's why I'm not even, mm, I'm not even, uh, I do not even agree when I hear Um, linguists saying, well, you know, like AI, generative AI, my job is done. Uh, I have worked as computational computational linguist for a couple of years. And that's when I understood that the human input is actually fundamental. And I doubt that we'll reach a point in which that is obsolete, you know?
0: Yeah. Sorry, I'm just chuckling at Diego in the comments here. What um, does it say? He says I confirm Marta's input is invaluable. <laughs> <laughs> Diego. Thank you,
1: Diego. <laughs>
0: uh I want to get before we go on I see one comment here um from uh, Diego Sorry, responded to. Yeah, no, I just no. I don't have the big ones. My my system got all messed up today. But from Lawson Stapleton. Lawson, if you're listening, I I hi, how's it going? I haven't talked to you for a while, and that's my fault. I apologize for that. But um, Lawson Stapleton, thanks for your comment. Uh, so this is Diego responding to Lawson. Since Marta is busy, hope you don't mind if I add my two cents. Might seem It might seem a marketing initiative. However, it's really a bot. It's really not, maybe. First, AI and <laughs> MT are not the same. Well, not always. This means that linguists need to upskill and... Add new skills to their toolkit. AI makes mistakes just as MT, but most times different ones. No reassurance here. More explaining that linguists have a place in this world if they change again, sorry. Yeah, well, it's reality. And also a response to the lack or regulations around AI processed content. And last, human approved is before, during, and after AI. Contrary to post-editing, happy to continue the conversation. Yeah.
1: I assume that the, 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 the main point was brought out, that was brought out, was concerning the marketing yeah. of human approved.
0: Well, there's a whole, if I knew Lawson was listening, I would have asked you about like, long tail languages and under resourced languages and all that stuff. But maybe you need to come back on for it because we're running out of time mm-hmm. for that. Because that's a whole different, and we're talking about, you know, then we get into conversations of like language equity and stuff like that because AI depends upon data. And there's yeah. uh, the majority of languages that exist in the world do not have enough data to train AI. And so I think that's where we're going to start seeing advancements improve over the next years. But if you have thoughts on it,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, do so, I have sol- have to? solve the problem of worldwide <laughs> gonna, language uh, equity? You've got two I'm minutes. Gonna, Go. <laughs> no, I, I that's that's something that's too too fragile and too. Um, that's another
0: podcast. Yeah, yeah.
1: You, yeah, mean, you and Lawson. <laughs>
0: we'll get Lawson out here to talk about it.
1: No, but jokes apart. That's, I, I was part of a very nice panel um, in Rome in September. And uh, this thing about um, language minorities and mm. uh, the, the lack of uh, data to train AI systems um, for specific languages, it's actually creating a gap between the West and uh, like the West world and all the minor, uh, the minor locales basically. And I honestly, honestly, I do not have to, like, I do not deal with this specific type of languages, never. So I wouldn't feel even comfortable in giving my, my two cents here uh i was part of the so panel you're, you're and in part the, panel... Of the problem <laughs> exactly exactly i am totally part of the problem but um I, we are all part of the problem but um can, i think that we can also shift our mentality in thinking okay why why is this happening and of course let's th- this is something i would like to under to, to stress i mean we cannot all do everything you know I mean, it would yeah. be super nice. It would be great, yeah, yeah. but I don't even take that as a fault. Not being able to address reality. the question concerning concerning ethical concerns and uh, minor minority languages is just reality. There are thousands, no, thousands, maybe not, but many enough many companies. Enough comp. Well, could be more, as always, but uh, many companies who um, who deal with this daily yep. and thanks to their job uh possibly this gap will be filled at some point but i do not na- do not take as a fault not being able to answer so well, sorry and for, there's there's ask the question yeah, there, there's but the... i much rather be transparent than trying to come up with this with a with an answer i don't even Know myself no
0: it's fine and there's a role i think for academia to play in that now as well It's because there's there's not always a profit incentive to localize into some languages and train some engines
1: you know it's a very delicate um delicate uh topic because there it's also a very 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 thin uh line between filling the gap and exploiting because you know, like, it but let's not even dive into I was
0: going to say, just, why do people always right. start leaving comments five minutes before the podcast? <laughs> Guys, you had a whole hour. All right, uh, Edwin Trebles, I appreciate the effort to have a human-approved seal and standardize its processes. Because with high-impact content, we would require nothing less. In fact, typically, it's humans-approved. Humans approved, plural. It seems like every LSP TMS should adopt such high-quality practices and features. Here, here, Edwin. Cut. You know,
1: I, sorry, no, sorry. Me. You know, I've actually, because this is something that we really truly believe in, and um, we have actually got into contact with uh, international organizations to understand whether this can be something that can be brought up you know yep. um internally i have uh so far um we have uh so far uh drafted a sort of standard for the human approved mm. that defines step by step what each step in, uh, in, in entails and how the pipeline should go forward yep. so anybody who's interested in chatting about it i am more than Easy. i don't know if that yeah, no. You, I could you, do. You, you <laughs> need to. I think <laughs> but, I told you this
0: last time. And I told you I'd probably make introductions and I probably forgot about it. You need to talk to Bill Rivers. Um, and there, there's a whole <laughs> the associations that I derided in the first 10 minutes. No, there's associations working on this and they're creating certificate. I'll make introductions afterwards. But yeah, okay. doc, Dr. Thank Bill you. Rivers is who you need to talk to. Um Kyle Chow, how has customer reception been since introducing... Well, no, let's go back to Edwin here. Edwin, in my mind, creating a proper evaluation process that includes SLM or LLM is really strategically not different from any transition evaluation process, but simply only differs in tactics. Even creating a feedback loop would follow that logical flow. It just feeds back into AI rather than only being involved once in the workflow, right? Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, it's kind of a process that we're, we're familiar with. It's training MT engines, right? It's just adapting it to, to train i know i'm grossly oversimplifying it
1: no but i mean it all goes down to to technology um i mean we have mtpe and we have aipe we will have aipe uh i mean the the fee like the professional figure of the ai post editor and content reviewer does not officially exist we created on our own because we defined the standard of our human approved certification and we wanted that last step to be um to be uh given to a professional who had awareness of what they were doing so i mean technology is technology it's just a different technology but after mte there was no other technology that came into the field so not well yeah but not so much yeah, so I hear what you're saying, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, but um, it's just like understanding, understanding how, like understanding the technology itself. But totally, I mean, that's technology is the it's a big umbrella yeah. and it all falls under.
0: All right. Last comments, And then, then yeah. I'm cutting you off chat um, from Kyle Chow. And I think this I saved this one because this is a great one for you to kind of give us a plug on how it's doing and all that stuff. Um, Kyle Chow asks, how has customer reception been since introducing your human approved certification? Have you seen changes? So talk to us a little bit about how this has affected your customers. What about, who are your customers? Um, customers that are interested in working with an organization like yours with the the um, the seal of approval, the human approved seal. How sh- can they get in contact with you? All of that stuff.
1: I have three cases, th- three scenarios. The first one is uh, customers who already existing customers who for chance or for upselling of our sales department have been um, introduced our, um, our AI services and therefore our human approved workflow. And they decided that they wanted to take a shot and so they did then we have new customers uh who like from from scratch we like you know something i'm really also um strict about is that i i want to have an approach to ai that is as transparent as possible and i want that approach to be completely shared like 360 with the people um, interacting with. So usually what happens is that when somebody comes to us interested into our AI services, what we do is that um, we want to take the decision together. So the first time that they hear AI they you know, they're not quite, mm, they're not quite convinced. But then if like, that's why why I I think that like, I know that this is what brings us value, when they hear about our human in the loop approach, when they hear about the fact that we have actually put it, like black and white, we have written down and this is, although it's not a certain like um, an official standard, this is the standard that we follow every time we have an AI, uh, pipeline. And when they understand that we have control, like we have control for as much as we can have control over a machine working. But, um, uh, when they understand that we have control over the pipeline, they're, they're willing, they're open to testing. And I say testing because before, um, before proposing to anybody, the sort of AI workflow, we always want to test it together because i want the decision to uh, to uh including ai or not including ai to be fully on our customers hands in our customers hands like i do not want to impose of course but um of course like given the control of the pipeline given the control of the output and given the let's 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 talk clearly, given the reduction in times and costs of the services, usually we get uh, good feedback.
0: Well said. All right. I think on that note, we can take us out. Marta, any other closing thoughts? Thank you
1: so much. No, it was very nice. My second time was great.
0: Your second time. Well, here's to your third time. You, you've got my number. Any time. Unethical on,
1: ethical, on eth- ethics and ethics. Oh. Ethnicity.
0: Yeah, I'll have to get some quali- qualified guests okay. in there. I don't know if I can talk about ethics of a. I'll get
1: to. I'll have to get prepared.
0: Yeah. Exactly. No, but jokes
1: apart. <laughs> Thank ha- you so much. It was great. I'll have
0: to ask ChatGPT for help writing those questions. <laughs> So.
1: you know like one sorry last thing but uh in drafting the human approved standard i had like i forced myself not to use ChatGPT, and it was incredible like I mean, after months of asking ChatGPT gpt to write any everything yeah. it was great
0: yeah. but
1: i mean it goes back to the sense of it
0: it does it does all right i'm gonna i got a hard stop so i gotta go thank you so much marta <laughs> thank you I'm gonna take us out here yes ma'am um I appreciate our guest today Marta Castello from creative words and creative AI I should say I appreciate all my colleagues here at NIMSI Insights doing the hard work to educate and improve our industry I appreciate you the audience who are joining us live today and I appreciate the dialogue and chat everybody who left comments questions and especially criticisms and I look forward to next time cheers
1: thank you